Well, praise the Lord. I want to say thank you. Um, today is probably, if I'm honest today, and I'm going to be honest, okay? I hate when people say, hey, do, if, I'm going to be honest with you. It, like the rest of the time, they're not. Um, this is this is probably the most uncomfortable day of the whole year for me. I really I really don't like that attention, but I'll tell you what I do like. I do I I greatly enjoy because I'll I'll go home this evening and I'll sit there and Gene and I will open cards and we'll read the cards and and that's a that's always a great blessing. Y'all bless my heart. If I'd known pastoring was going to be the blessing it is, uh, I'd have done it a long time ago. <laughs> No, I, uh, I, I don't know that I ran from pastoring, but I did not embrace that calling. It took me a while to come to that. But I look at the trail the Lord took me on and to bring me here. Uh, it's all his doing. And when I see how it is here and how it's been here, and I hear, I hear from pastors who they have a rough time. The church is trying to run them off. Just, just I mean, it's just torture for them. And I go, I don't know why you would do that. I don't, I don't you know, other than God called them there and put them there and they're going to, Stick it out and do what God told him to do. But uh, every day has been a blessing for me here. And I hope it has been for you. Um, But it's been a blessing for me here. And I thank you for that. And I want to say for Pastor Aaron, um, I appreciate him greatly. You know, from day one when he got here, he has just fit. You know, it it was, the, the elders know the time we spent. John and Raymond and Keith was here they know the time that we spent praying about that. And I had people tell me, you'll never find anybody. I had two pastors and, uh, and, a, and, a, and an associational missionary <laughs> who told me, you need to change that, that, that job description. You'll let, never find anybody that can do those things. And we said, well, I said, I, I don't want to be contrary, but we prayed through this and we felt led of the Lord that this is what God had for us. Not our decision, but God brought us to that. And it was, I mean, it wasn't long after we put that out there. And then we got, uh, 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 I just went blank. Aaron's, we got Aaron's, we got his resume. I really appreciate you, uh, whatever your name is. I love you, man. So we got, we got Aaron's resume in, and I think he took our job description and he wrote his resume off of it. It was like it matched up, it was exact. And it was, and it really was. It's been, it's been perfect. And and Aaron has, uh, like I said, from day one. I know Aaron may not always agree with me. There's times where we discuss things, but he's never been anything but just a great, great, great asset to this church, and and a blessing, huge blessing to me. So I appreciate you, Aaron, on this day. And but thank you all very much for that, and uh, very grateful for that. Uh, can we kill the live stream audio for just a moment? Okay. Good. All right. So it, it, we did this in, some, in, our, in our small group hour, but I want to mention it here. There are cards, I think, in the back and on the side. Kristen has those cards. What we want you to do, uh, Megan Harrison and Abigail both had a, they've had a real hard couple of weeks. And uh, so we've got a bunch of cards, and we've asked you, look, I know the value of that because I love opening those cards. They're so encouraging. So there are cards that you can fill those out for Megan and for Abigail and just bless them and encourage them. And they can sit there and open those cards and read those cards and, and, and know how much and be reminded of your love for them, okay? So if you didn't get a card already, we've got them back there. You can, you can get those from Kristen. Fill them out before you leave today. Leave them with, with, uh, with Kristen 
And then we will, uh, in fact, if you want one now, we'll go ahead and do it. I said that's important. Go ahead. If you, if you want a card, raise your hand and we'll get one to you. And then at the end of the service, you know, fill it out. And at the end of the service, leave it with Kristen. And we'll send those with, with Raymond back to the girls. And, uh, and, and be a, we just want to be a blessing to them. Amen? All right. All right, you can turn me back on. Come on. Jesse likes having some control back there. He can't always, he can't always silence dad, but here he can. So, hey, hey. All right. All right, praise the Lord. Um, so as, as, uh, as, as Brent said this morning that I don't skip over passages, so we've come to chapter 7, and we've come to some very difficult passages here on marriage. So with that in mind, I want to move over right over to chapter 8. We'll pick up right there. No, I'm kidding. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But I will tell you this, next two weeks, um, I, hope you'll, I hope you'll be here next week and, and the honeymoon may be over, okay? So I'm going to, as I have studied Gina will tell you the last uh, three days I, uh, my study, I've been, it's just been, uh, it's been torment as I've studied through and worked through these verses. And um, so I look forward to preaching next week from, here from chapter 7. But we're going to take a smaller piece of this and look at a, 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 different, a different part of this this morning. So if you want to turn, if you're there in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we're going to look at verse 7 through 11 this morning. We're going to take a portion of that. And also if you'll mark Matthew 19, we're going to be over in Matthew 19. And just mark your place there. We'll start in chapter 7. We'll jump over to chapter 19. We'll probably be back and forth a little bit. But the topic of our, of our message this morning is this. It's choose wisely. That's the title is choose wisely. And I'm primarily speaking to the single folks in our congregation this morning. So when I say single, now I'm primarily speaking to those who have never been married and those who are widowed. Okay, that's not, that's my, my that's who we're looking at in the scriptures this morning, who, who the Lord is going to speak to. But there's obviously something today for everybody because we are looking to the Word of God. Amen? And so when we look to the Word of God, look, He can speak to you today even if this passage does not speak directly of you. Do you understand that? So there's times we, we're on passages that have nothing, you may say that has nothing to do with you, and, and it's amazing how the Holy Spirit of God will use that passage to touch your heart and speak to you through that. So don't tune out tonight, uh, this morning, because this may not apply directly to you. I promise you there's someone in your life, someone in your circle, that this does apply to. And you can then take what you hear, what you've learned, what Scripture says, and you can help them with that as well, okay? So... Uh, um, so we got some high school students here. We've got some, some college age uh, students here. We have some young adults here that are single. Uh, and, and, and you're only months or maybe a few years from potentially being married or being of age to make decisions about marriage. Many of you that are in the room are already at that place. And, and, you, and you're already at a place where you, you, you know, you've got them. Those are decisions you're going to have to make. Four years ago, Four years ago right now, my daughter had, had left for college. Four years ago right now, she had left for college, had only been in college a short time. So just a little more, like three and a half years from that, you know, three and a half years, and so much had changed. So in that time, she's graduated college. She now has a job as a nurse, and, and she's married. And she's been married now for five months. So in that, in that four-year period, she, she went through school, and she's already married. So look, at this age, we've got to understand something. And a lot of times, our, our high school students don't think about this because I'm 10th grade, I'm 11th grade, might even be a senior. Oh, that's way down the road for me. No, if you're in high school, you have, you have 
A lot of people in school with you who will be married in a year's time, they'll have a kid in a year's time if they don't already have kids. So that's the, regretfully, that's our our day today. But things change very, very quickly, and you need to be prepared for that. So that's what we're looking at this this morning. So Psalm chapter 1 speaks of making wise choices, all right? So I'd encourage you to go read Psalm chapter 1. Study that verse out, or that chapter out, because it's amazing, the the admonition there for wisdom and making wise choices. And I hope today you'll learn something that will help you in making wise choices concerning marriage. Now, um... When I talk about choices, and I've said this a lot, here's what choices happens. You know, maybe, maybe this is where your opportunities are in life. And as you're younger, you, you have maybe some limited opportunity on the choices you make. As you get older, you get a few more choices. But here's what happens. When you make good choices, you make biblically sound, wise choices in life. You know what happens? You get, you get more opportunities for choices. When you make bad choices, it shuts down. And every bad choice you make, it begins to limit the choices you have. And I've said this before, you can make enough bad choices that you no longer get to make the choices. That the choices are made for you. Someone else will make your choices for you. So it's very important that we make wise decisions. We make wise choices. So there's two choices. Well, let me, let me open with this. I'm going to open with a video, okay? So I'm trying to be cutting edge. I'm trying to be like one of these modern pastors and, and show you people like clips. They want to see a clip. So I want to show you a clip this morning. Now... If you don't like things that are a little bit maybe gory, and here's what I'm going to say. You guys love Halloween. You, you love this stuff. A lot of you do. You embrace it. So you'll love this, okay? But some of you don't. All right, so there's going to be a scene in here that, I mean, it's not gory or anything, but it is a little bit. So if you've got little kids, you might want to cover their eyes. Riley, cover your mother's eyes, okay? Um, <laughs> You might want to cover their eyes because it, it can be a little scary for the little ones, okay? It might be a little scary. You can, you, you'll see it. Some of you may know the clip. But I want to show this clip that has to do with choices, okay? wisely, for as the true grail will bring you life, the false grail will take it from you. I'm not a historian. I have no idea what it looks like. Which one is it? Let me choose. is the cup of the King of Kings. Eternal life.
chose poorly. It would not be made out of gold. That's the cup of a carpenter. to Jesse. I said, do you think I ought to show that? He goes, yeah, they know, they know your sense of humor. But you also got to know I love Indiana Jones, so that's, that's part of it. Look, I could stop right there. We could, I could preach on that picture with, with the, when we talk about marriage. Okay, we're talking about choices. So the first guy makes a choice. He didn't know how to choose. He didn't know, so he asked the wrong person, and she picks this, this and it was intentional, but she picks this, and it's all based on the looks and the beauty. It's not based on wisdom. It's not based on the truth of things. It takes that beautiful one, and I love what he says. He says, you know, the right choice brings life, but the bad choice, the wrong choice, will take it, will take it from you. Now, um, some of you in here are going, that was a picture of my marriage right there. You know, that was a marriage I had, and that whole thing was just a picture of my marriage. That was a joke, okay? So, <laughs> past marriages, past marriages, not the ones now. Um, but, but, but then Indiana Jones makes a wise choice. He makes a choice based on what would Jesus, what would that have been that Jesus, what, what would his cup have looked like? Okay, so that's kind of the idea there. It's making wise choices. And what happens a lot of times, folks, here's what happens. And I think if I went around the room and we talked to folks who have been in a bad marriage, who, who, who know people who have bad marriages, it, 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 you know where it starts? It starts in the choices we make before we get married. And I think if people are going to be honest, they'll go back and say, that's where, that's where the problem started. It starts in the choices we make before we get married and who we marry, when we get married. All of those kind of things play into it, and, and then we get down the road. But that's not what we're going to look at. We're going to look at two choices today we have as a single person. First choice is this. You can remain single, okay? Verse 7 and 8 here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, there's something that Paul desired. There's three things we're going to see in these two verses. Paul desired something, and it was, it was he says, for I wish that all men were even as myself. And we'll talk about what that means. Paul Paul was a single man. We'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. There's something he discerned. He said, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. So he understood that singleness was not for everyone. I would, he's single. He says, I would prefer you say single. That's my preference. But he says, I understand that's not for everyone, and he'll, he'll explain that. And then there's something he declared. He said, he said, I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. That was what he says. It's good. If they, they remain single and they're not married. Now, Paul is single, and I believe, my personal belief is that he is widowed. I believe Paul was married. Now, I wouldn't die on that sword. I wouldn't fight off that hill. You, you may believe, as others do, that Paul never married, that he was never a married man. Um, but either way, we know that he's a single man, and he's free to remarry or to marry, whichever the case may be, because he states that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll get to later, verse 5. He says, do, not, uh, do we have no right to take along a believing wife, or do also the other, as also 
also the other apostles, um, the, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas. So others were bringing a believing wife along. Why, would I not have the right to bring along a, a believing wife? And so we, we understand that he is a single man. And why is he a single man? Why is he choosing to do that? It's for the gospel's sake. That, that Paul has chosen to remain single at this point in his life. It's for the gospel's sake. Now, he's not mandate, mandating singleness and celibacy here, and that's evident from what he wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 14. He says, Therefore I desire or I prefer that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to, to the adversary to speak reproachfully. So he's dealing with those that were unmarried and those who were widowed, and he says here, so he's not advocating you can never marry. You should not marry. He's saying, look, if, if, it, if it works, you should do that. It's a great opportunity for you. But he's not mandating that for those who are single. Also, throughout Paul's letters, he speaks very highly of marriage and the marriage relationship. He has a very high view of marriage. And, and, and basically put it in our words, he said marriage is awesome. He would say that, and, and, and he writes of that, and you can see that. Paul fully understood God's plan and purpose for marriage. He did, however, have a desire to see Christians that were not married stay unmarried and use their singleness for God's glory. That's kind of what he's sharing here. And so marriage is a great calling, but Paul sees singleness as an even greater calling if used for the Lord. Okay, So he goes, if you'll jump down to, in chapter 7, jump down to verse 32. And we'll look at what he has to say, kind of expounding on this. Verse 32, he says, but I want you to be, to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, but he who, uh, or how he may please the Lord. So if you're, if, you're, if you're a believer and you're unmarried, man, you have the time to focus on the Lord. You, you want to please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. You see what he's saying, the distinction he's drawing there. And he shares about the women as well. Verse 34, there's a difference between a wife and a virgin and a married girl. He said the unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she, uh, but she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. So verse 35, and this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper and that you may serve the Lord without distraction. So that's what Paul's saying. He's not, he's not saying here you cannot marry. He's not making an, a mandate on that. But he is certainly making a case that if God calls you into a life of singleness and celibacy, he said this is a great thing and it can be used greatly for the Lord. It's a good thing. So Paul had the gift of self-control. And although he was unmarried and lived a sexually pure life, he was content to be so and, and wasn't hindered by lust. So he didn't have a situation where lust was pulling on him and man it was it was a struggle for him that he was always dealing with he didn't have that that struggle so he was able to live a a, a, a single life and be content in that in the Lord and serve the Lord with that he saw his great value first Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 then now he, he transitions from that and he begins now to talk about married the married relationship so verse 10 and listen we're going to do a whole lot more with the marriage part and marriage and divorce that will just just Touch barely here this morning. We'll deal more with that next week. But verse 10 says, Now to the married I command. 
wasn't a suggestion. The suggestion was back here. If you can stay single, stay single. But here is a command. He says, yet not I, but the Lord. So what he's saying is, now I'm going to give you a command, but it's a command the Lord has already given you. God, the Lord Jesus has already given, spoken on this. And so the Lord is the one who's giving this, but he's reiterating it right here. And he says, a wife is not to depart from her husband, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And the husband is not to divorce divorce his wife. So he's transitioning now to talking about marriage. And, and so let's look at if the Lord's given command on this, flip over to Matthew 19. Flip over to Matthew 19 and let's look at Jesus' teaching right here. Beginning at verse 3. Now you have to understand the context of this. Jesus is traveling toward Jerusalem. He's been healing people left and right. He's healing all these people. Multitudes of people coming around. He's healing their sick. He's doing all these things. And the Pharisees come up and they say, Lord, where do you get the power to do that? No, you would think that would be what they would ask. That's not what they ask. The Pharisees come up. They're trying to trick the Lord. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to catch him in something so they can go, Aha, we got you. And that's what's going on right here. So the Pharisees also come to him, testing him, and say to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Listen to the wording here. For just any reason. Okay? That really was kind of the... You had two major schools of teaching at that time from the rabbis. Some were more conservative, and they said, you know, you couldn't divorce except for in the case of sexual immorality. And then the other one, the liberals took the approach, Man, you can divorce your wife for whatever reason. People who say the Bible is sexist have not read the Bible. All through Scripture we see again and again and again where the Lord brings in things that protect women and help women because at the time, culturally, they weren't protected. They weren't, they weren't in a good situation. And the situation there was this. Uh, th- th- so they're teaching you can leave for literally any reason. So if, if, you, if you said, well, my wife has bad breath. I don't like my wife's breath. Or, you know what, she cuts her toenails a really weird way. I don't like the way she cuts her toenails. It could be something that simple. Uh, it could be, you know what, she's put on a few pounds. She's put on a few pounds, or she's lost some weight. You know, she doesn't look like she looked when I married her. And so they, they could literally, for any reason, they could divorce their wife. And the Lord's dealing, so that's what they're bringing. Can, can, can they divorce for any reason? And he answered, Jesus answered and said to them, now he's going to lay down the ideal of marriage right here. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So there's some things there in those three verses as the Lord is talking about marriage that he he really... He helps us understand real quickly what marriage is about. First of all, it's it's one man, one woman. Amen? Amen? So it rules out homosexuality. It's one man, one woman. It doesn't say that, that he is to be joined to his wives. It says wife. So that's one wife, one woman. That means polygamy is out. So homosexuality is out. Polygamy is out. He says, let no man separate. Let no man separate. The idea there is it's for life. No man means that means you, me, any decision we might would make or whatever we want to do, that's not... That's not That's not there. It was originally one life for a lifetime. We should be married. The only if 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 it's God's decision, the God will take one of you out. Okay, that's it. The marriage is sacred. Who joins a couple in the marriage? Who does that? The preacher. 
Somebody said, preacher, the preacher doesn't. I've done a lot of weddings, and you know what? I actually don't join them. You know who does? God does. Exactly. When he says it there, he says, therefore, what God has joined together. Now, I get the, the joy as a pastor of sometimes performing the ceremony. That's the ceremony part. They're making vows to God. They're standing before God. When someone gets married, they're making their, those commitments to him. And, and you know, I, you know for, for, until death do we part. We vow that all the time. And, and, and it's amazing that, that we don't hold to those vows that we make to God. But we join, uh, so God joins the marriage together, not the preacher. God does, okay? So he's given a picture there. One man, one woman, one lifetime, till death do we part. Amen? Okay? Amen. That's the ideal of marriage. That's what God set up from the beginning. That was the case. So they say to him, verse 7, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? And he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts... All right, so the reason Moses did that, the reason he allowed that, and he says permitted you, he didn't say commanded you. Moses never commanded them to write divorce certificates. He permitted it, but he said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, he permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. That was never a part of marriage. Divorce was never a part of marriage. Verse 9, and I say to you, whoever divorces, now this is Jesus saying this, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery and so here's what I want you to see in the context of talking about being single look at verse 10 verse 10 his disciples said to him if such is the case for the man with his wife it is better not to marry so so what are they saying if I can't divorce my wife just for any reason whatsoever, why would I want to get tied into this thing? If, I'm if I make a commitment and I'm stuck in this, then why would I be bad? You know what, Lord, if that's what you're saying, now you got to understand where they're coming from. The Lord, he's laying down the principles in regard to marriage and divorce and which are to prevail from that day forward. This is, this is, he's going back to the beginning and he's stating it for today. That's what he's doing. Okay, he's laying this down. And the disciples, you understand, they're in the culture. They hear what's going on in the culture. They see what's going on. They hear the teachings, the religious teachings on this very thing. And they push back on it because they're like, whoa, whoa. Now, you know, I always got it. You know, I, I like Gina, but you know what? It, you know, maybe she snores. I don't know. But if she does, I, I'd like to get out of that. I like my sleep. You know, I like to be able to sleep well. And if she snores, we get married and she snores. I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I, I want to be, I want my out. Okay. That's where, that's where the disciples were. And, uh, but we go back to what Jesus said. Why was it that they were allowed? What is there questioning him? Think about this, the hardness, the hard heartedness. Okay. They had hard heartedness. If you go back to Genesis chapter 4, verse 19, that God had given marriage. He had instituted marriage, okay? Genesis 4, 19, then Lamech took for himself two wives. You're six, the sixth in the line of Cain, the sixth from Adam and Cain and four more. You get the sixth from Adam, the sixth from Adam there, Lamech. And what does he do? Polygamy. That quickly, it has already moved into, I don't care what God says about marriage. You know, it's what I was talking with somebody this morning. It's the yeah buts. Y'all know what the yeah buts are, right? Yeah buts. 
Yeah, I know scripture says that, but. Ain't no buts. I want to say something right now, but it wouldn't be appropriate. You have to keep your butts out of it, okay? That's what I want to say. Scripture says it. You know I had to say it. It's there. The yeah buts. And and you know what? It's another example. It's abortion today. When I hear Christians say, well, I'm against abortion, but in the case of rape and incest. I'm sorry, folks. if 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 you're not against abortion there, you're not really against abortion. Because abortion is the taking of a life. And, and I don't care if it is rape or incest. You know what I believe? That's a life. I believe it's a life. Whether it was from rape or incest, that child, that is a child. It is a life. And we can't have the yeah buts in those, in those situations. And we can't have it about Scripture. But Lamech had it. Yeah, I know what God said, but I'm going to take two wives. I don't, this one's fine, but I want that one too. I'm going to have her too. Uh, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, he permitted divorce, okay? And, and we can look at that because it's not as clear cut that it was simple. It wasn't an easy thing even then. And Moses did it. He made it a hard thing because divorce ought to be a hard thing. Amen? Mm, preacher, you ain't, we ain't going to like you in this, in these two weeks. Jesus said this. He says, not, that's not the way from the beginning. That's not the way it was. That's not the way it was. Now, the disciples, here they are, and, and, and they're saying, well, it's best if we don't marry. Man, if I'm stuck with somebody for life, I don't know, what, I don't know if I need to marry them. So you got a whole lot of hard-heartedness all the way down through there. Can you all think of another time in history that sounds like that when we had the hard-heartedness about marriage? Any time in history? It's real blaring, obvious. Right now. Do y'all not, do, do you see it? Do you, do you not, see, all right, y'all got to help me because I'm going to have to back up. I'm going to have to back, do you not see it? The hard-heartedness in the issue of marriage today? We got the same attitude. Here's the attitude, and this was 30-something years ago, getting out of high school. I don't think I've graduated yet. And, um. A friend of ours was getting married, and we're like, man, are you sure you need to be getting married? Are you sure she's the right one? He said, oh, man, it's okay. If it doesn't work out, there's always divorce. See, that's the problem in America today. If it doesn't work out, there's always divorce. That's even in the Christian community. You know, if you go back and look to those who profess to be a believer, you know, the, 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 I, would, I would guess that right now, divorce numbers are higher in the Christian community than they are in the, the secular realm. You know why? Because the secular realm is just giving up on marriage. They're going, we're not even going to marry. We, we're going to live together. We're going to do it that way. That's wrong. But Christian, for us to just have this flippant attitude toward marriage, well, if it doesn't work out, there's always divorce. No, there's not. That's not God's plan. That was not his plan. But we have the same hard-heartedness today. We have the same hard-heartedness. So that's what the, the disciples are dealing with. If it's that hard, man, if marriage is, you know, you're talking about one man, one woman, one lifetime. I don't know. Well, this is what Jesus has to say. He goes on. And, and basically it's this. If, if you're single and you can stay single, then stay single. All right? Matthew uh, 19, 11. But he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. Now, Paul referenced reference in verse eight was to gifts. He talked about the gifts, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. So marriage is not for everyone. Amen. 
I don't think we've figured that out. Marriage is not for everyone. It is God's, here's the question to ask, is it God's will for your life? If, if that's not what God, if God, if his plan for you is to be single, the best thing you can do for you and for everybody around you and for your life and your ministry with him is to stay single. If that's his plan for your life. Singleness is not for everyone. Amen? But the question it goes back to, is it God's will for you? Verse 12, for there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb. It means there were those who will not marry. They have no sexual desire. They they will live celibate from the the, the womb. there there, There was that ability or capacity. And then there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And that's just a, a, a barbaric, speaking of castration there, and then those who would, not, who would not marry, they would be celibate. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God's sake. Now, this is not speaking of castration. This is, we've made a choice that I'm going to live a life of celibate. It's not the Catholic Church making the priest not marry. It's not a requirement of that. This is someone who says, listen... I, I, don't, I don't need to be married. I don't have that desire. I don't have that drive. I don't have to have a wife. I don't have to have a husband. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give my energy to the Lord. I'm going to give my, my, my strength to the Lord. And they made themselves eunuchs. I'm going to live a life of singleness. I'm going to live a life of celibacy. And I'm going to do it for God's glory, for the kingdom of heaven's sake. And he says, he who is able to accept it, let him accept it. So he's telling the disciples, look, if you can live a single life, live a single life. Do it for the glory of God. But if you can't, then you need to get married and you need to live that for the glory of God. You need to do what it is God has called you to do. Amen. So it's for the glory of God. Some have chosen to remain single and serve the Lord in their singleness. And then we come back to to we go back to first Corinthians chapter seven. And he says in verse nine. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. So our first choice is to be single. You got a choice there. You got a choice. You need to pray about it. You need to ask God, direct me. If you're single right now, you've never been married, you've been widowed, you need to seek God on this. Should, should I remarry? Should I, should I marry? Should I marry at all? Should I stay single? God, what would you have me do? First choice is to remain single. Second choice is to get married. So the word there, marries, it signifies to marry once for all, whereas the word for burn is in the present tense, and it's signifying to be on fire. So here's what Paul says. It's better to marry once for all than it is to be in continual lust. If someone is, it has an issue, I don't say issue like it's a bad thing. I mean, we are, we are, we are born, most of us are born with, a, with an attraction and a desire. We want to be married. We want to have the, the relationship with our spouse. We, we desire that. And, and, and Paul says, look, if you, if, you can, if, if, you don't, if you can live without that and you want to do that for the glory of God, do that. But if you can't, if, you're, if you have that desire, you have that lust, then, then get married. Have a, what do he say in verse 2? I'm, I'm going to reference that in a minute, but you go back to verse 2, and he says, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. So if you, if you can't live single, you can't do that, then get married. It's better to marry, do that one-time thing of marrying and be in that continual relationship than to burn with lust and to have a continuous lust going on. So what Paul is saying is that, that to marry is sensible, but to lust is sinful. He said, so look, if you can't stay single, then you need to get married. So marriage, let's go back to marriage. Marriage was God's first ordained institution. We looked at that a few weeks ago, looking at that. And and so 
He instituted marriage in the Garden of Eden. We go back there to Genesis, right in the beginning. It's one of the first things that God instituted. What have we talked about? If God institutes it, who wants to destroy it? Satan wants to destroy it. Satan wants to pervert it. He wants to turn it into what it never was. He wants to destroy I mean, you can see it in America today. Marriage, everything is against marriage. Laws are changed against marriage. People's attitudes have changed against marriage. That is, folks, against God's first ordained institution of marriage. And so there's five things. There were five purposes for marriage. We looked at four. There's actually a fifth. First was procreation. He said, be fruitful and multiply. The second one was personification of Christ's love for the church. We find that in Ephesians chapter 5 where he says, uh, Christ is head of the church and, and he is the savior of the body. So he said, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And, and then in verse 24 says, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So it's a personification. The, the marriage relationship is a personification of Christ's love for the redeemed, for the church. The third thing was partnership or companionship. And in Genesis 2.18, the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. It's not good. I can tell you, it ain't good. I didn't get married until I was almost 28. I did the bachelor thing. I didn't like the bachelor thing. I like I like being married. I love our marriage. I love what God has given us and the relationship we have. I love that. I love that. I need that partnership. We need that companionship. But he also, another thing, part of marriage was pleasure. We've spoke of that before. And then the fifth thing is to prevent fornication, which we just read in chapter, uh, chapter, here in chapter 7, verse 2. Because of sexual immorality, let each man have her, his own wife and each woman have her own husband. So it prevents fornication. If you have a lust problem, if you struggle with lust and you're a single person, you, you, you're going you're to run into trouble if you don't be very, very careful. Paul says marry. If you're filled with lust, then get married. Don't burn with lust and be in sin. Get married and do it right. So God's marriage plan always was, always was, and still is that one man should wed one woman and only death should break that union. Romans chapter 7 verse 1. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So marriage is an even stronger union than family ties. Amen? That family, that marriage bond is stronger than family ties for a man is to leave father and mother and cleave to his wife. I remember when Gina and I were dating. Probably a few years, we dated almost five years before we got married. A couple years in, somewhere in there, we had some family who made some comments. Like my sister, I think, was, uh, she might watch, I hope not. But uh, she made some comments that were kind of derogatory uh, about Gina. Can you believe that? But did that. And I, I just remember standing up to him. I said, don't, don't make me choose. Because you're not going to like the choice I make. Because I believe in my heart that she is God's will for my life. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life with her. And I said, don't, don't, don't make me choose. So that marriage relationship is closer than family. And it's a sacred union. We already spoke of that. For Jesus said that God joins a man and a woman together. It's a sacred union. So why get married? 
why should I get married? And so we move into this part now where I want to try to give some instruction to those who are single. Why I get married? One reason and one reason only, okay? It's God's will for your life. That is the only reason that you should get married. If it is God's will for your life to get married, then get married. Um, not because you love someone. Hear me, young people. We get this idea of, well, we got a perverted idea today in, in our country, again, of what love is. So, um, but be careful. You know, I love them. Well, that's great. I, but I just love him. He's so wonderful. I just love him. Oh, man, she's so pretty. She's so pretty. I, but I just love her. I just love her. I just love her. Can I tell you that love, it, it, it's a pretty poor reason to get married. Now, you, some of you are going, What? Now, if you're going to marry someone, you should love them. But I'm just telling you, love is not the reason to get married. It better be God's will, not just because you love somebody, not because you're attracted to them. You know, that would be Hollywood. That's their idea. Oh, they're in love for about six months. Get married or a couple of years, and they're divorced. Then they remarry. Oh, I'm in love. And, you know, I love them, but I fell out of love. Now I'm falling back in love. You know what? That's all about infatuation. It's just infatuation. It's the warm fuzzies. And when the warm fuzzies wear off, oh, well, I don't love them anymore. Folks, love is a choice. Love is a choice. It's not, it's not a feeling. It's a choice we make. So it's not because you're attracted to them, not because you like the same things. Guys, just because you find a girl who will watch college football with you, who will go out and hunt alligators with you, that just because, you know, those are good things. Don't get me wrong. Those are good things. But that's not the reason. Not because they're rich. Certainly don't chase somebody just because they're rich. Only because it is God's will for your life. That is the reason you get married. God's, and why, why is that? I'll tell you why. Because God's will never changes. Our feelings and our emotions, they change. But God's will never changes. If it's his will for you to marry, then, then, then his will never changes in that, okay? So then the next question, so the first question is why get married? Because it's God's will. Second is should I stay single? Should I get married or should I, should I stay single? Um, if it is God's will, then yes. It still goes back to God's will. What is God's will for your life? So you have to figure that part out. And that's where you have to draw close to the Lord. You've got to spend time in prayer. You've got to seek Him for wisdom and His guidance and His direction. And then you have a choice to make. He's going he's to give you all the information He can give you, but you have to make that choice on whether I'm going to stay single or not. You know, one of our missionaries, I was out in the foyer earlier, and I saw uh, for Cami Jalbert, one of our missionaries we just started supporting. And she's, she's a very lovely young lady, and she's early 20s, 24 maybe, 20, 23, 24 years old. She's over in Thailand serving, but she's a, she's a single girl. There's no doubt she could be married if she wanted to be, but she has chosen to remain single at this time so that she can fully pursue what God has for her. That's what she's doing. She's over there serving as a single lady. And, and the, the, I wouldn't advise that in some situations of, of foreign missions. But what she's doing, I think it's a, a great fit for her. It's a great way to go. But that's because that's God's leading in her life. She's doing what God has told her to do. Um, so what does God want you to do? That's what you have to figure out. So is it, do I get married or do I stay single? Yes. Absolutely. You get married or you stay single? But you've got to figure that out. You've got to come to a, 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 an understanding of what God wants you to do. So I decide I, I think I, sh I'm, I should marry. Everything points that way. Uh, when should I marry and who? 
So to answer this, we're going to look back to Genesis again. Let's go back to the garden, all right? Genesis 2, 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, verse 19 and 20. Notice what, he, what, what God does. God says it's not good for man to be alone, and, and he needs a helper that's comparable to him. And, uh, and so now, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to the beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. So here's what God did. God said it's not good for him to be alone. Adam may not have even realized that. You know what God's will was for Adam? God's will was for Adam to have a wife. So what did he do? He brings all the animals, parades them by, male and female, by Adam. They come by, he's naming them. Male and female. Male and female. Male and female. Hmm. Where's my female? You know, and I think that's intentional. I think God wanted Adam to understand his need. He wanted him to see that these have a helpmeet. He needed, he needed somebody. And, you know, we don't see Adam calling for that. We don't see him asking for that. God knew what he needed even before he knew what he needed. Verse 21, And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh of, uh, uh, in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Okay? When should you marry? When God brings that person into your life. That's when, you, when you've decided, you know what, I, I believe that the Lord would have me marry, and I'm going to wait on the Lord in that, in that situation. I'm going to wait on Him. And you know what the Lord will do? He will bring that person into your life, and you will know it. Can I tell this story again? I've told the story, but I'm going to tell you when I first saw Gina. And I had come to a place, I didn't date a lot in high school. I didn't, I, y'all say, look at you. You're, we understand you didn't date a lot in high school. You didn't date a lot in college. We get it. I didn't, but I didn't date a lot. And, and, and there's a lot of reasons, but I saw divorce all in my life. I was probably a little afraid of commitment. I was afraid of being hurt. I saw divorce all through my life. I saw my friends had girlfriends. They would cheat on them. I said, I don't want none of that. And I, wasn't gonna, I didn't want to date somebody and somebody like me and then me hurt them. And I didn't want to like somebody. I mean, it was just, it was me guarded. It was me guarded by the, the hurt in my life of that. But I told the Lord, I said, I want to be married. That's what I feel is in my heart. I want to be married. And I said, but Lord, I'm not going to chase. I'm not going to date around. I'm not going to do that. I want you, Lord, bring, bring that person into my life and, and show me. Make it, make, I mean, make it so. I prayed that specific, that, Lord, when I see her, I mean, I'll just know. And you all think, you crazy preacher. You really, whatever. Uh-huh. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened. I was standing, like, right back there about where Fred's at in our church there in Hull, Georgia, H-U-L-L, Hull, in Hull, Georgia. And Gina and her mother came in, and they walked down. They walked, and I've been to the church six, seven months at this point. I'd never seen Gina. She walked in, and she's coming down the aisle, and the ceiling parted. <laughs> the ceiling parted. The light and the glory of, of heaven shone down on her, and the angels sang. And I went, you know, it was like the Cupid, you know, you hear the Cupid. I was like, boom, I, mean, I got hit. And I remember thinking, wow, I could marry her. I mean, it was just what I thought. The first time I laid eyes on her, I said, I could marry her. God was good. 
God was good to me. Wait on the Lord to bring that person in your life. Here's what's interesting. God prepared the right person for Adam. You you read it? He went and he made a person just for Adam. God's made that person just for you. There's somebody out there. You know, Gina, uh, Gina, Jordan, um, I tricked Gina. So, if, if, I mean, I, got, I had her fall in love with me before she really got to know me. So I tricked her. But Jordan, I remember Jordan talking when she first met Ben. And it was, it was you could tell, I mean, she was just thunderstruck in love. And, and, and as they talked and stuff, it was like, it's like he, he's exactly what God, God just made him for me. I mean, it's, it just, it was that way. That's the way she looked at it. That's the way she saw it. God's preparing. He, he literally made a person just for Adam. He literally made Adam for Eve. And folks, he's made, he's making, he's made that person for you. Maybe some, maybe some of these really, really young boys that maybe he hadn't made her yet, but he's going to make her. And he's going to make her just for you. Girls, he's made a, a guy out there, and you ought to be praying for that young man. You ought to be praying for that young lady, praying for them now. We prayed for Ben before we knew who Ben was. We prayed for him. And uh, just know that God makes that person. And then God brought Eve right to Adam. Adam wasn't out bar hopping. He wasn't dating around. He wasn't going, hey, you know, I don't like her. I don't like her. I don't like her. I'm just running out of options here. No, it wasn't that. He was busy doing what God told him to do. God makes Eve, and God brings Eve right up to him. And you know, you know where the name came from, right? There's man and woman. Because God brought her up, and he went, whoa, man. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's, you read it in Genesis. It's there. You can find it. So all the way back there in the garden, back in the Garden of Eden, in Eden, the original e-harmony, right there. God did it. So listen, let God put it together. Let him do that. All right, and then the final thing here is, who should I, I, I not even consider as a spouse? Well, the scripture is very clear on that. Now, again, when you talk about choices, young people, you want to avoid the pitfalls later, then make the right choices now. Make the right choices now. I, I, I got a quote that I like. It's a whole lot easier to fire somebody before you hire them. Amen? You ever had an employee, you ever had an employee miss Linda? You went, oh, I wish we could get rid of him. And they're a little hard sometimes to get rid of somebody. Uh, that happens in marriage too. But see, when you marry, it's God's intention that you stay married. I've heard people say, well, I, you know, I just don't, I think maybe the devil put that together. I don't think it was God's will that I marry them. Well, it may not have been. But I promise you this, it was God's will you stay married once you got married. That's his will. When you, when you stood and you made that commitment. So it's important you make the right choices early on. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 18 says this. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now this applies to a lot of things in life, but it doesn't apply anywhere more importantly than it applies to marriage. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part as a, as a believer, what part uh, has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? 
For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So the Bible is clear. If you're, if you're a believer, you, you're not to marry anyone unless they are in the Lord. It's in the Lord. And speaking of, they are a believer as well. If you are a born-again child of God, then you should only consider marrying a born-again child of God. So that means if they're not a believer, you, you, should, you should not even date them. Well, preacher, we're not going to get married, so it's not a big deal. Well, you're gonna, so you're going to, young lady, Christian... This, this boy, well, he's good looking. Boy, he's, he's popular at school. You know, he asked me out. Uh, you know, so I, I think I'll, I'm, you know, well, I'm going to go out with him. Why? Because he's an unbeliever. He, he, you, you shouldn't go out with him. Because you know what? His mind, he doesn't have a sanctified mind. He doesn't have sanctified intentions. Okay? Uh, y'all don't share the same thing. And then here's what happens. If you get involved with an unbeliever, and then what happens is, what, what follows? Oh, we're in love. I've fallen in love. And now it's a whole lot harder to make the break on that relationship than a relationship we never should have started. First question, young ladies, you shouldn't go out on a date with somebody three times and then ask them whether they're a believer or not. Before you would ever agree to go out with somebody, you ought to know they're, they're what they are, what they believe. Are they, are they a follower of Christ? Do they love the Lord? If not... Don't go out with them. Don't go out with them. You think God can't handle that situation for you? You think he can? But you know what? How many marriages? Unequally yoked. Major problems. Because they're not on the same page. I, I, I'd be careful even with some of the denominations, folks. Listen, if, somebody, if, if, if you're a born-again believer and there's someone who's a Mormon, no, you're unequally yoked. Jehovah's Witness, no, you're unequally yoked. It, if, you, if you're... If you're a born-again believer? Catholic? No. I'm going to tell you, you're unequally yoked. There's a lot of denominations out there that would, would, might even believe similar to us, but you get down to it and you go, well, we don't believe the same things. Well, it's not a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Those things, those are the most important things in your life. There's a lot of other things you can, you can, you can work through. Those are things you can't because then you start having kids. Well, where are we going to church? We're not going to church. Well, you mean we're not going to church? Absolutely, we're going to church. No, well, you got to fight. Okay, these are things you need to look at. Now, let's say you found somebody, and I'm going to wrap this up here in just a second. You're, you're, you found somebody, uh, young lady, young man. Here, here, here's some three things you ought to consider. If there's, they're a believer, you're talking to them, you know, and you're thinking, man, should I, is this potentially a spouse? Well, here's some things. They need to love Jesus more than they love you. If, if their love is so great for you, if it's greater than their love for Jesus, they're the wrong person for you. Hear me. Yeah. They need to, to get their uh, joy and fulfillment and contentment and their self-esteem from Him, not from you. But I love that He just makes such a big deal of me. Well, he should make a big deal of you and he should treat you right, but he better love Jesus more than he loves you or he don't really love Jesus in the right way. Amen? You want, you want him to love Jesus more than he loves you because then he'll love you right. 
They need to see you as God's will for their life if you're going to marry them. But you need to see them as God's will for your life. Oh, but I'll change them after we get married. You know, we'll get married and then I'll change them. <laughs> I finally got a laugh out of y'all. <laughs> y'all, y'all, because y'all know that's, the, that's a big joke, right? Yeah, we'll change. They'll change after we get married. Look, if they won't change before you're married, they're not going to change after you're married, at least not by your doing. Now, God can change them. And, and w- 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 there's lots of testimony of things God's done in marriages where, where one spouse was lost in years and years and years and years and years. Gina's grandparents, they were married 17 years. Every time, every time uh, Nancy came to church, pray for Jim, 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 that he'll get saved. And 17 years. And one day they went home from church and Jim Hanley had gotten saved. 17 years. Seven, most people would have said, woman, you are crazy. And it was just that bad. She stayed with him. He got saved and it changed everything. Now, many people today, young people today, have this, this idealism. And, and there's two things that go with that. The first is this, is physical, physical attractiveness. You know, if I'm going to marry them, it's all about physical attraction. They have to be extremely physically attractive. Look, well, for most of us, that's going to knock us out anyway, right? So they're going to go, yeah, they're extremely physically attractive and beautiful. And they go, you want to go out with me? And, you you know, so that's me anyway. I'd be like, "Mm -hmm." so physical attractiveness, uh, that person has to be, they've got this ideal image. So it becomes super picky. And they go, well, no, it wouldn't be the person for me because they're not a ten and a half on, on you know. Uh, then compatibility. And a lot of people think of compatibility. There's some that think that they have to be compatible sexually. And so you've got to find out if you're compatible. Hogwash, okay? Hogwash. You stay pure. Stay pure. But compatibility in this regard is they want someone who's extremely attractive, but that person will accept them exactly like they are. That's compatibility. So the guys, the guys, and I, I can speak for the guys because I don't know how the girls think, but I don't know how the guys are coming up today. So the guys are, man, she's got to be a real babe. You know, she's got to be a real babe. And she's got to accept my gaming that I, you know, I eat Hot Pockets and stay in mom's basement and that I play video games 18 hours a day and, you know, whatever. If it's deer hunting, if it's fishing, if it's, if it's, if it's golf, if it's football, if it's, you know, working 85 hours a week, whatever it is, she's going to accept me exactly like I am and not expect anything of me. That's a joke too, right? And so what happens is you have a lot of young people today who are struggling with finding the spouse because, they're again, their ideal is not God's ideal. It needs to be God's will. Don't be like the guy in the video. He chose poorly. And, and as the, the knight there said, just as choosing wisely will, will give you life, it will give life, choosing poorly, it'll take life. And uh, folks, there's a lot of death that has come. And I don't mean physical death, I mean death. Death of marriages, death of relationships, death of innocency, death of a lot of things because of poor choices going into a marriage. Okay, so this is a very important. So choose wisely. Seek God's will, and Pastor Aaron, you and, you and the team can come on. Um, seek God's will in every decision in your life, and especially in the areas of do I marry or stay single? Uh, who do I marry? When do I marry? And should I even date that person? All of those things are 
are wise, wise choices. You need wisdom in those choices. And make sure that whatever it is you do, you're pursuing God's will. And if you follow his leading and his will, then you'll make the wise choice and you'll be greatly blessed. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, I thank you for Paul's teaching here. I thank you for uh, your teaching on this subject. And Lord, we've just begun to, to go into this. And Lord, next week we'll talk about a very difficult subject, marriage and divorce and remarriage. And uh, Lord, if, if, if I could just skate right over that, I would. But Lord, I can't. You've not called me to do that. and You've called me to preach a word. So Father, I pray even as I continue preparing for Sunday, you give me wisdom in preparation for that. But Lord, the issues we'll talk about next week, so many of them uh, could be avoided uh, by what we've talked about today. And that's us as a single person, someone who, who, who is, is eligible to marry. Lord, for, for those people to truly submit themselves to your will, not their will, but your will. So, Father, I pray for our young people in here. I pray for those who've never been married. I pray for those who maybe have been widowed and, and, are, and may be faced with the decision of do I, do, I re, do I get married or do I remain single. I pray, God, you give them wisdom and that they would truly seek your will for their life. Father, this morning, we talk about marriage talk about that bond. We've talked about the picture of the church, that marriage is a picture of the church. And God, your relationship with us, the church with the redeemed, those who've been born again, there's a marriage there. Lord, you love us. You love us so much that you came and you died for our sin. You died for our sin. You took our place on the cross and, and you rose again from the grave on the third day and today Jesus you call out to those who've never been born again and you say I have done everything I love you and and I want to be your savior you've done everything that needed to be done that could be done there's nothing we could do other than simply respond to the call you put in our hearts help us Lord if there's anyone who's sitting here this morning who does not know you as their savior I pray even right now, Father, you would burden their heart, you would convict their heart of their lostness. That right now, if they died in their sin, they would be eternally separated from you. God, I pray that you'd burden their hearts and realize that they need to come to you to confess their sin, to repent of their sin, and to receive by faith the Lord Jesus Christ and the gift of salvation. Father, if there's anyone in our house this morning that, that needs to be born again, I pray you'll burden their hearts so much that they'll forget about everyone around them and just step out and come forward. We'll take the Word of God and introduce them to the Lord Jesus this morning. But for Lord, the rest of us, there may be all kind of needs this morning. We've preached on, on being single or, or getting married. Lord, there may be heavy burdens on hearts this morning. and Maybe someone needs to come to the altar this morning and, and have a time of prayer just to cast that care upon you. Father, I just pray you'll move in this time of reflection and invitation and uh, you'll have your will and way and may we obediently respond to whatever it is you want to do in our lives. In Christ's name we pray.